watching my fellow Americans with your host Spike Cohen. Yes. Welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's me. It's me. Me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Keep clapping. Well, I guess you can stop now. Thank you for joining. Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. It has been six weeks, five weeks, six weeks. It has been over a month since I've done this show. It's been a just a tragedy of errors or comedy of errors. A tragedy. It's been a, a comic tragedy why I haven't been in front of you. So first thing, so if uh, if you remember the last time that your beloved host me spike cohen was on actually let's let's start with something i'm so rusty i am so rusty this is a muddied waters media production you can check us out on facebook youtube instagram soundcloud twitter we're on periscope we're on itunes we're on stitcher we're on anchor fm more on that later uh be sure to check us out give us favorable five six twelve whatever the star rating maximum is give us that and then give us some details on why you like us so much. That really helps us a lot on all those different podcasting and video sharing sites and apps and so forth. Be sure to do that. Share this video right now. I already know that this show is going to be the absolute best show that I have ever done. And so I don't want... It would be a shame if the people you care about most missed out on what you're, on what you're experiencing right now. So be sure to share it. If you are uh, listening to this and it's not live, share it anyway. This is never, there's never a bad time to share this. So be sure to do that. Uh, As always, I'd like to thank Kroger for the delicious purified drinking water that I drink on this and almost every show. Uh, Episode of My Fellow Americans, Bulavanaka. The intro and outro music, as always, is from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Be sure to check him out on Facebook, uh, SoundCloud. Check him out. Go on to, I think it's like joedavi.bandcamp.com. Or if you just go to bandcamp.com and look for Joe Davi, buy all of his music. It's like $8, $10. Buy all of it. It's amazing. You'll be so happy that you did that. Thank you again to Mr. Joe Davi. Shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him, as always. So, as I alluded to before forgetting that I had stuff I had to do before the show started, or at the start of the show... You might be wondering, Spike, where have you been? Where's your show been? Why have you only done shows with Matt on the couch? And while 
that's an amazing angle for you, Spike, that kind of top-down look. It, it, it makes you look youthful, even more youthful than you normally look. Why were you doing it? Well, that's a great question. Uh, it's amazing that all of you thought and said that at the same time um, with the same intonation that I did. Um, so I had my last episode with uh, Joshua, Jossie, Joshie Bear-Smith, and uh, James Michael Smith, and... Uh, I'm saying his name wrong. No, it's James Michael Smith. And uh, to do to promote their uh, documentary that they're working on, uh, Liberty in Liberty. And after that show, I got up and said, I'm going to go cook food because I'm a human and eat. And uh, I went and bent down to get something and experienced the most excruciating pain I've ever had in my life in my back and wasn't able to walk for the better part of two days. Um, or I was, it was just hurt so much I couldn't put any pressure on my legs or my back. And so the last month and a half has been a story of me uh, working to be able to walk again, which I can now, thankfully. Uh, But the hardest thing still is sitting upright like this. You'd think that that wouldn't be as hard as walking, but it's actually harder. Um, And so um, we're going to do this as long as I can. I did it for about an hour and a half yesterday and was feeling it. So we're going to do it as long as we can today. That's why I don't have a guest I don't want to have someone on here, you know, sharing their time with us only to then, you know, have to cancel the show halfway through because of my back. So it's just going to be me here doing my thing. And I'm going to start with, uh, oh, I didn't share this. I am rusty. So guys, when I say I'm rusty, I am rusty. I haven't even shared this on my own Facebook. This is how rusty I am. This is what happens when you... Don't do something for, you don't do something for, let's see, for six, six weeks. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be you and me today. So feel free to comment with any questions or thoughts you have. First of all, first of all. Something that we were addressing yesterday and we promised we would update you here at Muddied Waters Media the very second we knew. Uh, it was looking like bad. So uh, we talked yesterday, Matt and I, on the Muddy Waters of Freedom. We talked about the fact that the city of Denver was having a referendum on whether or not to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms, otherwise known as psychedelic mushrooms or magic mushrooms, uh, or mushrooms that make you throw up and then trip really hard and love it, which I did. Um It was looking last night like we were going to have to share some bad news that it came really close, but, you know, they voted against it. I think when I looked, I don't know, two two in the morning or midnight or whatever I looked last night, uh, it was 48 to 52, uh, uh, 52 against, uh, I keep wanting to say legalizing, decriminalizing it. So it will still be illegal. They just won't jail you for it. And there's actually... There are a lot of people that believe that decriminalization is better than legalization because legalization comes with regulation and taxation and a bunch of other things that actually make it worse. Whereas decriminalization just says, yeah, you're not supposed to do it, but um, we're not going to do anything about it. We might take it from you if we find it, but that's like the worst thing. And we're not going to tax it. We're not going to regulate it. You just, if you do it, just basically don't get caught, uh, but we're not going to give you jail time or anything like that, which is a lot of people would say that, uh, that that's even better. It passed. 
it passed narrowly, but it passed. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see how the, how this plays out on the federal level. So weed has been one thing because the reality is the vast majority of people are okay with even recreational weed being legal at this point. So even though it is illegal on the federal level, there's just not a lot of energy in Congress or, or in the White House to enforce it, uh, or at least to enforce it in places where they've legalized it, even though it's still technically federally illegal. And so places like Oregon and, and Vermont, Massachusetts and California, uh, as well as other states that have, uh, or uh, well, in Colorado and other states that have um, states and cities that have either decriminalized it or allowed it for medical use or um, or made it completely legal even for recreational use or, you know, you know, regulated or whatever they've done, even though it's technically completely illegal uh, for any use, even medical at the federal level, the feds have been for the most part kind of backing off and letting the states do it. Well, now we're doing psychedelics. So we're going to see how that goes. Now, this was a good psychedelic to pick. Uh, as far as I know, no one has ever died from magic mushrooms. Um, they may have, but I, I'm not aware of it. Um, it is one of the more mild psychedelics. Uh, it has been, there are studies showing that it can be helpful in, uh, dealing with depression and, uh, uh for inpatients, uh, people with, uh, depression and other emotional issues that, uh, were resistant to, weren't able to treat it using traditional, uh, uh, or, or legal, um, psychotropic meds. So there's a, similar to marijuana, there's sort of this, uh, you know, medical slash, it's not that harmful and people enjoy it type of argument, but this is not weed. This is a, we're now talking psychedelics. So now questions of like, okay, well you can't take psychedelics and drive or can you, and how will that be tested? So it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. But, uh, there are a lot of worrying trends, um, in the, the political world. Most of the trends are towards people wanting government to make other people do something whether it's make them pay me more uh, or make them, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, put taxes on products that are from other countries because I want to have to pay more for stuff because somehow that's going to help American workers or, you know, stop those people from crossing the, the border into the country uh, if, uh, you know, uh, if they don't, you know, fill out all the paperwork or, you know, uh, 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 don't let people uh, assume my gender uh, or misgender me, or, you know, if I want a, um, if I want a, uh, um, you know, a, a wedding cake and I, if I want a gay wedding cake from a Christian baker, they should have to make it for me, even if they're against it, or Facebook needs to be made to allow me to be on their platform or, you know, all, all these different opinions are all, they all boil down to someone is doing something with their property and I don't like it. And I want the government to stop them from doing it or force them to do it a different way. What we're seeing with drugs is kind of different, where it's people saying, I don't really think government should tell people what they can do with their bodies. Um, so that's, it, you know, I'm an anarchist, I'm a radical libertarian, and so there's obviously not a lot in the political world for me to be happy about, other than to watch smug people get upset. That's really what uh, what makes me happy, uh, and smug. And uh, one thing that isn't troubling is is seeing how people are kind of relaxing their attitudes about even if you're against drugs even if you know I'm, i've been sober for 13 years i'm not going to do drugs i think for the most part getting intoxicated is usually not a good idea um just in general uh but it's none of my business what you do and it's good to see that it seems to be people 
uh, are getting more and more along that way of thinking. So wanted to update you on that. Uh, Magic Mushrooms now decriminalized or will be decriminalized in Denver. I don't know when it's um, when it's uh, as of, but that's what we're being told. Um, so I'm going to go through the comments. Uh, Jacob LaBelle, pie is quantifiably better than cake. Pie is like a liquid cake. I mean, you know, I mean, let's, let's talk about cake for a second. Cake is an amazing thing. Like it's a, it's a, it's bread that's sweet, uh, and and has you know often other things in it. Pie takes it to a completely different level. So I I, I tend to agree with you because I can think of a lot of pies that I like better than cakes, but I can't think of a cake that I like better than a pie. My new best friend Shane Sweeney uh, says, and I'm literally Shane Sweeney, which is, which is true. Um, we uh, Shane Sweeney and I had some street beef uh, for a fortnight, and um, we've quashed it. Um, we're gonna keep it real now. Uh, no more East Coast, West Coast. <laughs> it actually is because I'm on the East Coast of South Carolina, and he is, uh, he's on the West Side. But we've quashed that. We killed it. We're gonna increase the peace in these streets. Um, Adam Montgomery says, and the topic is. Uh, so welcome to my show, um, where usually I have a guest and, uh, the topic is usually what that guest is doing. And then we talk about current events and their thoughts on things. And, uh, usually either a libertarian guest or a, uh, I guess right of center guest, or I guess small government guest. Every once in a while we get a progressive on here, but usually not, but we don't have a guest. So the topic today is me. It's me. Trifle is better than both. Than both pie and... I don't even know what trifle is. I know like trifling. Like you've been trifling. Lies you've been reported. That's probably... I think I'm seeing a beef in my comments. Yeah. Yeah, you guys can... I'm pretty tough. Yeah, you guys are gonna... You guys are gonna work that out between the two of you. Sarah Branion says, You just got me in trouble. I said, Here we go. Listen to the Jew. And my husband fussed. That's what the damn thing I clicked on. <laughs> well, I mean, you're Jewish. Like, we get to do that, right? Like, we get to do the the Jewish tropes. We're Jewish. That's like black people with their word, you know? Like, they can say it. We, can, we can't say it. Because we're not black, but they can say it. They can, And then they can also say, like, you know, we really shouldn't be saying this. But then, like, if so, if I said... Yeah, you're right. You know, that's probably not something you should say. They'd be like, hey, back off, colonizer, right? So that's like, it's not just their word to say. It's their word to say that they shouldn't say. So I think we should, there's nothing wrong with you saying listen to the Jew. Um, More arguing between Jacob and Fotini. Will you have Collins? I'm sure this wouldn't be used with malice. You know what? Gosh, dang it. Let's do that because that won't be a, there is no way that I will regret Doing this. Hold on, I don't have the. Let me go to. Hold on, let me, let me check something. Yeah, there we go. So if you want to call, I think this will work. Uh, call 813 644 2722. And be. Why? Well, you know, I don't know. I This could go many ways, but we'll see. I have nothing else to do. Um. I am, oh, and I'm not in the right hangout, Steve, and take the call if it comes in. Now I am. I think this will work. 
If someone wants to call, you are free to call. Otherwise, I'm going to just keep talking, which is your fault. Um, just seen a commercial for stool, stool softeners. That's nice. Mushrooms are even safer than weed. The federal government should force people to take shrooms. There are worse things that the federal government could force us to do. Uh, Sarah says, I didn't get an answer to this yesterday, but essentially, if they take Trump off the ballot in California, can't they just write him in? Uh, we had D.C. Mayor win as a write-in. It was a big deal. You can't just write the person and you also have to check next to their name. Um, I don't know uh, how that would work. I don't know. Oh, that was quick. So we're getting a call. Caller, welcome to... to there are worse things that the federal government can force us to do. I'm hearing uh, myself. Says, I didn't get an answer Hello? yesterday. Hello? If they take Trump off the ballot in California... I'm calling for Spike. Hi, I'm Spike. I can hear myself talking through your recording, through your watching it. Do you mind, do you mind muting that for a second? I don't know. Yeah. You got a call. Yeah, hey, who's this? It's Jason Willis. Jason Willis? I This is getting even better because now I hear myself welcoming you to the show. Can I can I get you to mute that? I can I can try. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm in North Dakota, so you know things don't work. Don't work as great fast. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is my favorite Canadian. I think he's Canadian. Well, no, oh god, I, I am not say it. My Canadian. My wife is Canadian. My second <laughs> favorite Canadian, uh, the the illustrious Jason Willis. Jason, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, sir. Jason Willis, by the way, if I, you are ever in North Dakota uh, and want a delicious choke cherry meal, um, Jason Willis is who you would go to um, for that. I am sitting here and enjoying my Minnesota Twins because I am actually from Minnesota, not Canada. But we are currently defeating the Canadian baseball team, which is the Toronto Blue Jays. So... So you're that so you're conflicted. Is, uh, you're kind of conflicted not, because not the, at the all. Canadians no. are losing. You're tonight. the one who married the Canadian, not me. Oh, yeah, but we also don't really watch baseball, so. Um, so I remember, you're a communist. I remember Kirby Puckett. I remember Kirby Puckett. That was a big guy, and uh, if that's really all I remember about the Twins. If you don't watch baseball, you're basically a communist. I've been accused of worse. What's what? So what's going on? What do you, what do you think about this shroom thing? Other than you think the government I, should force us all to take it. In my heart of hearts, I am a very much like you, where I think people should be able to do whatever they want to themselves right. without harming others. Right. Uh, I do see the the downside of this on a larger scale societal level because I have had the opportunity to go through. Denver the last couple of years and there is a significant homeless problem there and I think this will contribute to that and I think the uh, the drug legalization has contributed to their ongoing and growing homeless problem there uh, I don't recommend or advocate the fact that government should be involved to fix it 
I think it can fix itself. Right. But 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 that's not to be said that 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 actions don't have consequences. Oh, of course. So, I of mean, course. you know, so I am a believer that, you know, individual uh, responsibility and individual freedom go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that being said, I, I, I do see this being uh, a kind of a pathway for some of these places to uh, have more and more problems inside of their uh, inside of their their uh, communities that function kind of underneath the radar their homeless populations and things like that right um, what I what I find interesting is that while these things get passed at the state level and they're heralded as you know, progressive movements forward for legalization in either Washington or, or Colorado. Right. And the, the only way they get moved forward, and this is literally the only way, and it's so shocking and surprising to me, but the only way they actually ever do get moved forward. And it was a great distinction that you made at the beginning of your show between decriminalization and legalization. Legalization, right. But the only way they do get moved forward is through legalization because the government wants their peace. Right. The only way it's going to happen is if they can tax it and regulate it. Right. And everybody seems to be so happy with that because they get what they want. They want to be able to do their drugs and everything like right, that. Right, right. They, they want to be able to do the thing without going to jail or risk going to jail, right? Exactly. Right. And and they don't see the downside or the negative side of the, the taxation and the legal and the regulation of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and what... What ends up happening, and it's being borne out in both Seattle and Denver, two of the most uh, high populous areas of homelessness, is both places have determined that they will not only decriminalize, but legalize and tax uh, these different uh, shops and things that that can sell uh, uh, weed and pot. And I'm assuming right. that now shrooms is probably not too far behind that. Oh, um, but why isn't the money then going forward to pay for the things that it's helping to create? <laughs> the money's not being put towards the homeless problems. The homeless problems continue to grow even after the legalization has happened. Right. The so money's it's, being it's, thrown it's into just going into the general fund, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's being thrown into these boondoggles and all these special pet projects that everybody wants to fund. But people are flocking to these places in droves and they're living on the streets and they have addiction problems and they have these problems and it's become legalized and everybody's making money off of it, both the private side and the public side. But the, but the continuing problem, the societal problem is not being addressed. And right. it's, 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 it's very like kind of ironic and funny to me that everybody sees these things as victories from the uber left to the uber right, right. as like, oh, well, these, these, what, there's freedom happening there. But in actuality, all it is is more government. It's just disguised a little bit better. <laughs> right, right. So you're, I, I almost entirely agree with everything you just said. I'd like to kind of break down the different parts of it. So if we, and this is a common theme with the show, if we look at government as what it essentially acts as, which is an organized crime unit that 
has given itself legal yeah. authorization to do what it does, it kind of makes what they do more clear. And this is a perfect example of that. So if we look at how they've handled gambling, uh, there used to be a thing called the numbers. I, I think that probably still exists, but it was a lot bigger in the in the past, where basically it was a lottery that was run by you know local people right. that would yeah. see and yeah, so they, it was they the organized time. It was the mob. Yeah, it was it was the mob doing it. And uh, it, originally, it was probably just normal people doing it. But the mob was like they muscled in and said, "This is our thing now." Well, then the big mob came in and said, "No, uh, uh, the numbers is immoral, and it's a terrible thing, and gambling's bad, and the, the Bible says not to do it." And and they used those as pretexts to uh, to stop the mob from doing the numbers. And then what did they do? They immediately turned around and said, "Well, what we really need is the lottery." And they call it the education lottery or the infrastructure yeah. lottery or whatever they can call it to try to make it sound like it's something other than the numbers. And, of course, the difference between the lotteries that the states have and the numbers is that the odds are way more geared towards people not making any money. Uh, it is really a tax on poor people who don't have good financial planning. Uh, and I say that as someone who occasionally will buy a ticket or two when the the uh, – um, the jackpot is some ridiculous, you know, billion dollar figure or whatever, multi-million dollar figure. But for the most part, people are going to put thousands of dollars a year in and get nothing from it. And, you know, every once in a while they'll get back 20 bucks or 50 bucks and they'll get that serotonin rush. But in the reality, they're losing money. If they just took in that, taken that money and put it in a simple savings account, or not to mention an actual investment account, they do way better. But it's, you know, now the government controls that. And so here's another example of that. Drugs are bad, drugs are bad, drugs are bad. You know, I was a dare kid. I had the dare uh, shirt, you know, Nancy Reagan, just just say no, just say no. And now that they've successfully kind of, uh, 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 or I, I shouldn't say successfully, they've, they've, they've created this this idea that, you know, buying drugs is bad. Now they step in and go, well, you know, if we taxed it, then imagine all the great things we could do. Uh, and, and, and they sort of turn it around. So now, so it's really, they just, like you said, they want their cut. Um, so decriminalization's first step. Next step is, is full legalization, which has some positives. But like I said, it's mostly, we would argue mostly negatives. The other side of that that you were talking about was the, the, the homeless thing. that and, and, and just the negative consequences in general. And it's because... In a free, in a truly free society, if we said you can do whatever you want with your body, put whatever you want in it, do whatever you want with it, it's your body, just don't hurt anyone else, but you can do whatever you want. If we lived in a truly free society, the flip side of that, and you, that's what you were talking about, and you are also responsible for the consequences of that because you and everyone else is free to do what they want with their bodies, that means no one else can be forced to pay for your bad choices. So if you, and this could be anything, this could be if you eat too much or you don't work out enough or you, you know, you have bad life choices, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whatever, whatever, even just bad nutrition. Finances. Finances. What, yeah, exactly. Finance. If you just bad money, <laughs> if you put all your money in the lottery, whatever it is, if you, no if one you is going to be. a bunch of money is, into student loans and yep. you make oh, bad yes. choices. Yep. yep. Which is if a hot you, yeah. topic right now. Yeah, it's, it's a, a very big topic right now. You, if you if spent you six want, figures on if, basket weaving, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, yep. it, they've 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 tried to take and I've this is just my personal take on the whole thing. Yeah. Collectivism is 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 the evil that tries to remove individuality and they try to remove individual responsibility along with it. So yep. what they try to do is 
kind of create this pseudo safety net that says you don't need to be responsible for anything that you do. <laughs> we'll figure we'll 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 figure out a way to to take care of you. But we're also going to be able to limit everything you do. Well, and we're so, we're not going to force you to be responsible for what you do. We're going to force you to be responsible for what everybody does, and everyone else is going to yeah. be forced too. Which, of course, begs the question: Well, then why should I be responsible? Because if I'm not, if I am responsible, I have to pay for irresponsible people, and if I'm irresponsible, then responsible people have to pay for me. So that's a very perverse incentive, if if a disincentive to people to actually make good life choices. Well, it's it's the paradox that that will always kill collectivism. It, right. it, it cannot, it inherently cannot survive because it goes against human nature. Yep. Uh, that's what this show's about, my friend. So, hey, before I let you go, because I just want to make sure I'm not missing anyone else, is there any other final thoughts you want to give us? Just don't le- decriminalize, legalize, or tax choke cherries in any fashion, and we'll be fine. Keep choke cherries illegal 2019. <laughs> All right, Spike. I'll, hey, I'll, thanks I'll a lot, man. Out, and I'm going to watch the rest of the show. Thanks. Yeah, God save our queen. God bless Canada. Thank you. Yeah, whatever. Cool. So w- we learned two good things. One is that the call-in system works, and two is that uh, uh, Jason uh, is a great call-in guest. Thank you again, Jason. Let's see what we have on the calls here. And, and Jason's absolutely right. I mean, this all breaks down to, and you can extra- uh, you can extrapolate this to other stuff too, um, whether it's, uh, immigration or uh, uh, prostitution or, or any of these, and, and I'm not equating immigration to prostitution, but I'm just saying when you have the government say, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but they're also saying we will force people to pay for your choices, good or bad, you are, that's not, because people will go, well, if you let people, you know, what the libertarians want is for everyone to be on welfare because they made bad choices, but that's not looking at the reality that it's being created by the government. The government is creating this reality that would not otherwise exist through collectivism, like Jason said, by saying, hey, look, do whatever you want. And if it screws up, if it's in it, because it's probably inadvisable to do magic mushrooms every single day, uh, you know, or at least, you know, large doses of magic mushrooms every single day and smoking weed all day and, and you know, uh, you know, seeing hookers all day and, and, you know, whatever, like, you know, do, doing all this stuff and not having a job and, and, you know, having a big student loan and all these other things, things get rough. Don't worry about it. We'll have someone else pay for your, all of your life choices. Well, why the hell other than just a good personal ethic would people not do those things? And even if the majority of people, which this is charitable, but even if the vast majority of people just have a personal ethic, that's like, well, I'm just going to do the right thing regardless, which is provably false, but let's say it is. You don't need much more than a mm, small to moderate minority of people. And I'm when I say minority, I mean, I don't mean minorities. I mean, numerical minority of people. You don't need more than 10, 15, 20% of people to be like, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it, and it crushes, it, it crushes, it puts a crushing burden on everyone else, which is why, and government uses this to get people to say no Make that illegal. Put people in jail for doing it because I don't want to pay for their choices. They're not saying necessarily, I think you shouldn't be allowed to do this. They're saying, when you do this, if it fails, I don't want to be forced to be responsible for you. And uh, I think if government were honest, they'd be able to have 
a better discussion. We'd be able to have a, a freer and better society wherein people could, uh, you know, you're responsible for your choices. And that even includes immigration. You come here, things don't work out. Okay, well then go back home. Or you can stay here and try to make it work, but no one's going to be forced to m- make you comfortable while you're here. So anyway, let's go through these comments. Uh, oh, Sarah asked about uh, Trump on the ballot. I have no idea how that works. So it, it, uh, Sarah was talking about, there was a, uh, uh, we talked yesterday on the on the Muddy Waters of Freedom about California, uh, the legislature, I don't know if the governor signed it, um, but they've, they've passed a law, which they passed before, um, but it's never been signed. Um, that says that uh, in order to be on the presidential ballot in California, you have to have released your last five years of tax returns, um, and uh, which is obviously uh, pushed at, uh, it's, it's uh, targeted to Trump who won't release his tax returns, or at least his most recent ones. And it wouldn't matter if, we co- if, if, if the electoral college system remained for Republicans because Republicans don't win California. Where it becomes an issue is with this national popular vote. If you now have a situation wherein it now matters who won the popular vote, as opposed to the Electoral College, California, I would imagine Republicans get, the Republican presidential candidate gets, if not, it's definitely one of the top vote-getting states for them, even though they lose it, just because of how big it is, uh, uh, how big the population is. So I, I would bet that they probably get more votes in California than in Texas, just because California's population is so much bigger. So that would be a huge loss for Republicans uh, or for any anyone who didn't release their tax returns in terms of winning the national the national vote. And I think New York and some other states have signed on too. So if that if that ever became a thing where you had to release your tax returns then now it's, uh, you know, now good, you're not going to win, basically. Um, the uh, so But can can they call, write them in? Probably, yeah, but obviously it's going to be harder to get someone to write in a name than to just check a name. But I think for at the presidential level, you probably get away with a writing campaign. But I don't know. They may not allow write. I really I don't know how that works, so I apologize. Um, uh, Shane Sweeney says, West side till I move at some point. That's me with the east side, man. I'm... I'm I'm here till I'm not here. Um, Jason Willis said truffle. Get it right. Oh, truffles. Truffle like the mushroom is better than pie? Or are you talking about chocolate truffle? I like pie. I'm not a big, like, super sweet person. Uh, Jacob says uh, no DAC is basically Canada. I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Jacob's in Minnesota, which is also basically Canada. Um, Matt says Tory Hunter. Good point. Um, Shane Sweeney says I would say property taxes and government intervention in private life contribute more to homelessness than drugs themselves. Drugs are a symptom, not a cause, in my opinion. You know, I I don't I I I think that there are definitely people, but then you could argue that's a part. I was going to say there are people that get like a pain issue. And they get put on opioids, which are cheap. And then at some point, their doctor is told by the government, stop giving this person opioids. And now they got to get it illegally, whether it's the same opioids or going straight to heroin or or whatever. But that is kind of an intervention in government. It's not really their business if a person is is taking those drugs and it kind of pushes them into street drugs. Um, You know, I was an addict for many years and... um, 
many well many of my years i'm not that old but uh i i saw the other side of that where people who otherwise were i think okay really hit it hard and and got into harder stuff which thankfully i i dabbled in harder stuff and i never really got heavy into harder stuff like all the time I can see where people were drugs themselves, but it takes all kinds. And and the bottom line is that if you didn't have this artificial safety net, not from a charity that's willing to help you, but you got to do better, but just, yeah, you exist and you have a social security number. So here's your free stuff and we're going to rob you and everyone else to pay for it. Cause that's what welfare is. They rob everyone and especially disproportionately rob the, the the poor and, 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 and middle income people and then give some of it back to them if they decide they really deserve it. And then the rest goes towards, you know, war, the war on drugs, endless entitlements, uh, interest on the, on the, 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 the growing debt, um, you know, all sorts of earmark boondoggle crap. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not a good system. Uh, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. Ladies and gentlemen, if you live in Florida and you need a good attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney law. Uh, Chris Reynolds says, this is why Kratom is such a problem for government. Tough to tax, so we get a bunch of attempts to ban it. It also hurts the opiate pharma business. Drugs, in so non-opiates in general hurt the opiate pharmacy business. So weed, uh, uh, CBD oil, um, I, I don't know as much about Kratom, but you know, the Kratom, Kava, any of these things that are not addicting or not as addicting and that can alleviate pain and other things that drive people to drug. Cause I mean, a lot of it's emotional stuff. A lot of addicts, they're just self-medicating. Uh, they don't like how the psychotropics make them feel or they're just scared to try them, but drugs they'll do because drugs make them feel good. Like now. Psychotropics are more like you take them over the course of weeks and it slowly moderates your whatever. Whereas drugs, it's like, I feel good. I took this drug and five minutes later, 10 seconds later, you know, an hour later, depending on the course of delivery and the type of drug, I feel great now. Of course, the problem is then you don't feel great when it's not in your system. You feel even worse. And that's when you end up in the whole chasing the dragon scenario. But that's a lot of times it's an emotional issue too. But again, if personal responsibility is in place, um, people and their families are less likely to just throw their hands up and go, well, I'll just do whatever I want because you are ultimately responsible for your choices. Um, Timothy Ichiyasu says social security, prime example. It's a prime example. If you're saying of government getting involved in stuff. Yeah. Cause that's, that is a Ponzi scheme. So Ponzi schemes are illegal. If you try, so this is an interesting thing. If you tomorrow or today said, I've created a great new retirement plan for every American in this country. And you structured it exactly like Social Security, but not even making them give you money. It's voluntary whether they give you the money or not. So it's not even mandatory like Social Security is, but they give you your money and you structure the entire system the exact way, word for word, that Social Security is set up. You give us money, you give us money, you give us money. Uh, It goes into a general fund and we pay it out to people once they reach a certain age. If you set that up, you would pretty much immediately get in trouble for antitrust, uh, uh, Ponzi scheming, all of that stuff, because it's a Ponzi scheme. 
It is a pyramid scheme. It is a scheme that only works if the number of people giving in is better than the people giving that are taking out. And because as the population ages, as the life expectancy goes up, and as people still retire at roughly the same age that they used to, so people used to retire at death. People used to work until they died. So Social Security was a safety net. It was marketed as a safety net for those people who retired and hadn't died yet. So 65 was the, the cutoff age, and uh, I think 66 or 67 was the uh, average life expectancy at the time for women, and it was like 65 for men. And, and at the time, the majority, vast majority of workers were men. So this was, hey guys, when you die, your wife will be good for those two years before she dies. That's pretty much what it was. Um, and this was coming out of the depression, which was created by the Federal Reserve, where people were scared to death of not having anything. Sounded good. Well, now people retire in their late 60s. Their, their retirement age has gone up a little. The average life expectancy right now is somewhere around 80. And the average baby boomer is expected to live to be around 90. That's the average. That means it will not be uncommon for people to live to be 100. Like it will be, it will be just as common for people to live to be 100 as it will be for them to die at 80. Roughly. Which means that for a third of their lives, they will be getting paid, what is it, 1400 bucks a month now? And then going up with cost of living adjustments. And those cost of living adjustments aren't going away because baby boomers are the biggest voting block with a bullet. And uh, you see who they vote for. I mean, it's going to be between Biden, who will definitely give COLA increases each year, and Trump, who will definitely give COLA increases each year. Um, so, and then with the, with the declining, um, birth rate, uh, and with aversion to, you know, massive immigration, which is needed to, you know, fill the cop, fill the, you know, the tax, taxed workers, something's got to give. And that's how pyramid schemes work. Potato, potato, says Brian Wolf or potato, potato. Um, yes, I agree with you. Um, Shane Sweeney is trying to start a fight with Jason Lyon and I, I reject it and I won't even get involved in that. Uh, Jacob, Jason, I have mutual friends. Apparently Jason's a great guy. He's my favorite. He and Jacob are my two favorite Canadian adjacent people. Uh, Mr. America bearded and truthful news, comrade, you you and Shane, you know, I've, 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 we don't have beef with Shane anymore. Well, I don't until the next contrived fight that we have. Um, we need some work for drugs set up by businesses. Listen, if that were legal, if that were legal, then um, there would be no unemployment rate. If they said, if if, if Trump said, uh, you know, get to work on building the wall and I will give you drugs, um, record time would that thing get built. I can't testify to the quality of it, but it would get built. A thing would be erected near the border. Can't tell you how it would work. Pretty sure it wouldn't work well, but it would happen. And that's really what matters to people. I don't think people care if the wall is going to work. At this point, it's just like, he said he'd build it. He needs to build it. I don't think. 
Uh, Sarah says uh, kratom is an opioid. Is it real? Is it is it an opium derivative? I it's, like I said, I don't know much about kratom. I know kava is. I don't know much about kava. I know it's muddy. And it apparently tastes like mud, and it makes you calm. And my neurologist did not recommend it um, because I have MS and did not recommend um, me taking a muscle relaxant because my muscles are already pretty relaxed. Um, I'm getting another call. That's two calls. 571 area code. Thank you for uh, joining me at My Fellow Americans. Who's this? So this is your co-host. Hey! I feel bad hey. that I don't know your number. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, he doesn't have my number saved. I do, I'm, I'm, thanks to smart, I used to be great with numbers, but thanks to smartphones, I don't, I don't, I like, I know the last four digits of my wife's number and like the last four digits of like two or three of my closest family members, everything else I just look up name. How are you doing? Yeah, that's fair. I'm doing well. The salmon you recommended I make is almost done. Oh, wow. That's yeah, how, no, no, really patch you in so we can watch you eat it. Is it, uh, so <laughs> you had, so guys, just to give you a little background story, I eat a lot of salmon and I reject any anti-Semitic thoughts you're having right now. Um, but, I uh, accept all of them now. Yeah. Matt accepts your anti-Semitism. I reject it, which, and I've said this, I said this to the, the Florida libertarians against, um, against Nazism or whatever, I said that my show, our show, The Muddy Waters of Freedom, is essentially me just trying to convince you to stop being a Nazi, please. And it just hasn't worked. Mm. And and every week, it's no, you know, not even a little. It's like Jason, Nazism's bad. Anyway, so <laughs> um, you know, and you're like, no, it's freaking great. Hitler, you yeah, know, it, it, real it real Nazism hasn't so been well. tried. What's that? <laughs> what was that? No, I was saying uh, Nazism worked so well in the past. It works great. And it hasn't really been tried. That was late stage right, capitalism. We need to try a, real Nazism. We need to try real Nazism. Yes, real Nazism has not. Yeah. That's a that's a hashtag that I won't use ever. Um, so ever. so anyway, so Jason, uh, because he knows I'm Jewish, he asked me about salmon, which I thought was very brave of him as a um, actual Nazi, and um, uh, so I gave him my recommendation. Um, he does not have salt, proving nope. he's a white gentile. Um, that you know he didn't have any any apparently any salt. But so, but it turned out well, right? Or you haven't had it yet? I haven't had it yet. No, it's it's it is in it is in the oven. It is almost done. I'm very excited about it because I did find cinnamon. Oh, so, you did find cinnamon. I did. I had that. Ooh. I don't so know did, where I got it. Did you have room? But I had. Are you sure it's cinnamon? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can read. I'm not Shane Sweeney. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm. You know, I. I'm increasing the peace with Shane, but that's wow. Um, you know, like Remzo Martinez, huh? Um. <laughs> so, so did you have rosemary? Uh, no, basil. Uh, well, that's you know, it's the. That's the rosemary of leafy green herbs. Sure. Sure. So, all right, cool. Um, oh, so... So, so the real reason I was actually calling was because of Kratom. Oh, good. Thank God. Yes. Please tell us about Kratom because I don't... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're like, is it an opiate? And, okay, so no, it is not an opiate. Okay. It's not a derivative of an opiate. Okay. Um, what, 
kratom does is it attaches itself to the opioid receptors in the mm. brain, which will give some people a sensation that is very similar to opiates. Ah, okay. Um, but it is not, it doesn't bind in the same, it doesn't bind in the same way. So it doesn't have the same, uh, addictive, uh, principles that an opiate does. So it has some of the good so, effects or some of the, the pleasant effects without any, without the bad the addiction part. Right. And they say that they say, oh, they say that like, um, <laughs> something did fell. You, did you uh, drop they, the salmon? I did not drop the salmon. Okay, I was good. getting ready to pull the salmon out and something else fell. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, they say that less than 1% of people uh, get opiate-like addictive... Uh, oh, uh, what's that called? Withdrawal. You would think I would know that. Um, <laughs> ha- having get, experienced uh, it, yeah, right, right. Having experienced, having experienced, uh, yeah, you know uh, that thing I got a few times. That, yeah. that, that thing, that awful thing, that uh, horrible thing that I, I whose name I forget. Right, less than one, uh, less than one percent of all people who use kratom will experience any sort of severe withdrawal from it. Other people will get. And then the number slightly higher of people who will experience like a runny nose or restless leg syndrome or something like that. But it is a much more manageable symptom that you are now dealing with. Than heroin symptoms. Yeah. Those are usually right. a little worse than restless legs. Um, yeah. So, well, that's, yeah, just, just a smidge. Um, and, and I mean, the thing is, now correct me if I'm wrong. Uh the is it Narcan? The the one the, the drugs uh uh method, methadone, those are all opiates, methadone. right? Yeah, they are uh, light they they are not as strong opiates. So like Suboxone is a mixture of two things. One is a like a beta uh, is a blocker in order to uh stop the stop the receptors from receiving things so that way you don't actually uh, feel the withdrawal symptoms, The other, and then the other is like a mild opiate. Uh, and then methadone is, I believe that is just like, if normal people were to take methadone, it would probably feel like taking Vicodin. A heroin addict taking it, it feels like survival. Right, it, gets, it, it takes the edge off. So my point is that you have people that got on opiates that then had to scale up their opiate use and are now having to scale down their opiate use using opiates so it's almost like the opiate industry is doing pretty damn well from that so when you have something like a kratom or weed or whatever else people can use to take the edge off that isn't an opiate that's a problem and needs to be treated as one uh uh on, on in the, the the public policy sphere because it's cutting into into you know business we, we got a good thing going uh, we've got a sympathetic public who wants to, you know, stop the people dying on the streets of heroin. And if they hear there's other ways to do it besides just a different type of an opiate or opiate mixture, then that's going to suck because that's going to, you can't charge nearly as much, uh, to the insurance company for something you can grow out of cow poop as you can for Suboxone or, uh, 
uh, uh, what, what was the one that just uh, Saris and Naloxone? Uh, there, there are a few. I, I've, I've heard, yeah, I've heard of a few, but I mean, they're all the same thing. They're all opiates that are, you know, so right. Which so there, somebody broke. You, you know, kratom's been broken down uh, into its chemical compound, and there is a company out there that made uh, synthetic kratom. Uh, genes I haven't had to do the speech in a while. Mitrogyne speciosa or something like that. I can't remember the scientific okay. term for it. There is a company out there that got the patent for. Um, for synthetic kratom, the one of the board members of that company was Scott Gottlieb, who then became head of the FDA. I knew I recognized that name. Yeah, kratom. Yeah, because who then tried to ban kratom? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and, and saying it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that he has the patents on it. Yeah, this would be like if the guy who made K2 or whatever it's called got on the FDA and is like, we need to keep weed illegal forever. Is that what it's called? The synthetic weed K2, K spice? Oh, or? That, uh, like the spice? Yeah, yeah. spice I, and all that crap. Yeah, it's like if Mr. Nice Guy here in Florida was like, okay, we now I'm char- in charge of the FDA, make weed illegal forever, but this <laughs> stuff... Yeah, ha- have the stuff that actually has killed people instead, um, instead of the actual stuff. Um, so cool. So I am very excited to find out how the salmon tasted. So oh, so while you're doing, so while you're doing whatever, Sarah asked, please excuse that I don't know the Jew connection to salmon. Lox and cream cheese fill me in. Yes, basically. Um, so <laughs> smoked, smoke. So Jews. In my mind, and maybe this is just a city thing, but Jews in my mind had a have a very uh, close connection to smoked meats, especially smoked fishes. So you hear of kippers, and you hear of all these different things. And I don't know. I I just I haven't really oh, seen a lot of. Shit. What's that? That was that's really that's really good. What the what the salmon? Yeah, no, that's really good. Yes, yes, and you didn't even have that salt. Maybe how I make that from. No, and you didn't even have salt, and it still came good. Salt. Imagine if I had just a little bit of soy sauce on it. But yeah, no. So, uh, so well, good. I'm glad that came out well. Um, so yeah. So the the so just to put this in perspective, uh, earlier today I bought ten pounds of hot smoked black pepper salmon sockeye, wild Alaskan sockeye, because it was on sale, which is kind of the the intersection of all Jewish things: buying smoked fish on sale. Um, is gefilte fish smoked? No, and if it was, I still wouldn't eat it. It is a white fish that is put in a brine to scare children. I don't know why gefilte fish is a thing. I don't know. I'm sure it was like that was how it was preserved before refrigeration, but we're free now. Like, we aren't, you know, we didn't just get out of Egypt. Like, we can eat refrigerated. I don't know why gefilte fish I don't know why that's allowed. That's something that should be... I mean, you want to talk about making something illegal. Um, that's terrible. Matt, uh, before I let you go, so I'd see if anyone else calls in. Do you, got any uh, any final things you want to share before enjoying your delicious spikeified sh- salmon? Uh, tune in tomorrow night for Hannah Cox on the writer's block. Hannah Cox with the conservatives who are concerned with the death penalty, correct? Yes. Yes. Very good. Yeah, be sure to check out Matt on the writer's block. Tomorrow night at, we doing eight? Uh, yeah, eight o'clock. Eight o'clock with Hannah Cox. 
conservatives concerned about the death penalty. Thanks, Matt, for calling in. Yeah, man. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Enjoy your fish, you beautiful man. Um, okay, so, yes. Gefilte fish is a terrible thing. It should be illegal, and um, anyone who imports it should be uh, administered the death penalty without an appeal. Uh, my dad used to buy that on sale after holidays, and then we donate it to the canned food drives, which is kind of, like, mean. I mean, I've never been homeless or had, like, a food security issues, like, you know, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I've never really had that. But it just kind of seems cruel. Like, it's like, man, I could starve or I could eat this, what appears to be, like, some kind of rotting, like... So, for those who don't know what a cavilta fish looks like, were you ever in science class and they'd have this, like, thing filled with formaldehyde and it would have some kind of, like, dead animal in it? And it was there for a long time, and so it was just kind of falling apart. So that's what gefilte fish looks like. And I think the brine is made of formaldehyde. That would make sense. Because you have to be um, intoxicated uh, on something to eat it. So I would think that that's probably what that... Why it's not illegal? Probably the Jewish lobby, if I had to guess. So now the thing with salmon, smoke, especially smoked salmon, I've just found smoked fishes in general seem to have a very like Jewish connection. Um locks, grav locks, nova locks, all that stuff. I mean, come on. Yeah. Locks. And then hot smoked salmon. I had some smoked salmon before I got out here. So I'm a big salmon eater. I'm a, uh, essentially a pescatarian and I eat a lot of fish, especially salmon because I can get it to taste like chicken. I don't know if that's Jewish, but lutefisk. You... I don't know if that qualifies as smoked or... It's similar to Gravlocks in that I think it gets buried at some point. But if you take anything, any dead body, and cover it in lye and leave it there, that's a crime against God and nature. And I, I've i never tried it. I've only tried to smell it. And that was enough for me to know that Scandinavians um, are, there's something wrong. Something's wrong there. That's why Russia wasn't able to successfully invade Finland. Um, because they were scared of a people who would eat that. Lutefisk is preserved in lye. Yeah. Because that's what you do with food. Just put it in lye. So, again, we have gefilte fish, which I am like, no bad stop um but smoked smoked fishes smoked smoked fish i have um there's actually a for those who want to um support muddied waters media um there's a 600 hundred dollar bluetooth uh powered smoker well bluetooth you can it, it it's a smart smoker smoke up to i think 30 pounds of meat and fish at a time 600 bucks is a deal. It's on Amazon. That would really help the Muddied Waters family, especially me, if uh, any of y'all want to buy that. My birthday is next month. Um, so just I'm just, just putting that out there. Uh, and you have to soak it multiple times to make it safe to eat. The, the lutefisk, to, to, take, to wash the lye out because it's toxic and you die from eating it. But let's wash it like six times. And then it's fine to eat. 
What a great thing to eat. What I'm going to serve this to my children. Yum. Eat up. It doesn't have much lie in it anymore, kids. And it tastes terrible. I don't know what it tastes like. I know what it smells like. And I know from doing uh, uh, wine tastings that your uh, your taste and smell are almost inextricably linked. So if it smells like that, your brain's not going to let it taste too good. That's what I know about that. So the other thing that we didn't really get to talk about much on the show last night, and I'm sure Jason will cover this way better than I could. Let me tell you something about Jason Lyon, uh, the up-and-comer of Muddied Waters Media. He has a show on Monday and Fridays uh, called Mr. Merica, The Bearded Truth. Um, He is... Like if 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 I'm if if you ever want to know my opinion on something, but you just don't want to deal with like my smug, dry, sarcasm or my uh un, disarmingly good looks, uh almost pretty looks that I have, uh and 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 you find me to be too much, uh then um tune into Jason Lyon, who's also an attractive man. I'm not sure I call him a pretty man, whereas I'm I, whereas I'm pretty. And it's unsettling to some people. Uh, and I get it. I get it. I get it. I look in the mirror and I'm like, this is a bit much. So I, I get that. Um, so if, if this is too much, if this aesthetic and the, 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 the overconfident smugness that comes with it, uh, as would be expected with someone who looks like this, uh, is too much for you, then tune in to uh, uh, Jason Lyon, uh, Mr. America the Beard. Tune in anyway. But, if, but especially if you just can't take me Definitely tune into Jason Lyon, Mr. America, the Bearded Truth, because he pretty much gives my opinion, but just better. Just it's like my show, except better, uh, in terms of like his delivery and his uh, his his uh, lack of an eagerness to uh, offend and alienate people, uh, as I do. Um, I forgot what I was going with that. Jason Lyon has a great show. And I don't know what I was saying about that. Oh, he's probably going to talk about this on Friday. I don't know if, if Matt will have a chance to bring it up because he's talking with his guest, Hannah Cox, specifically about the death penalty. But I'll bring it up. This uh, Trump versus China uh, tariff situation. Um, so the stock market's not been doing well this week because it looks like it was looking like uh, the Trump administration and the, I should know this, Chinese administration were working out a trade deal um, that was going to include a net reduction of tariffs on both sides and no new tariffs. Uh, apparently, it appears that uh, China, the Chinese government reneged on some of their promises uh, of, of not introducing or continuing uh, tariffs. And so the Trump administration has responded uh, by they're going to be starting Friday. Uh, they plan to I- increase uh, tariffs on quite a few things from 10% to 25%. Uh, and China is was already scheduled to come, I, guess, I think, this week to the White House to discuss this. Um, the hope, obviously, is that they work something out so that we won't, won't end up in this escalation of a trade war. Um, so the common... 
the common narrative about tariffs, the statist narrative about tariffs is that when other countries, their governments issue tariffs on our products, it hurts our workers. And uh, the only thing that we can do in retaliation is to pass our own tariffs to hurt them as a negotiation tactic to either get Americans to just, and this is where the groups diverge. One group says that we want tariffs to remain sky high so that people, Americans will buy American because it'll be so expensive to buy not American. Or there's, there's another group who says, no, we want no tariffs ideally or very few tariffs, but if they're going to have tariffs, we need to have tariffs uh, and and that will you know once those tariffs if they if they if they agree to um, get rid of their tariffs then we'll get rid of ours as well. Here's the problem with that: tariffs are a tax. Tariffs are a tax that are ultimately and all taxes are paid by the consumer. So when 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 the left, for example, will say, "Well, we're not raising taxes on people; we just want to raise them on these big corporations." Who buys stuff from the big corporations? All of us. That tax is added to it. So it's a tax that's all taxes are paid by the consumer. So a tariff is paid for by the consumer. Well, who is the consumer in this situation? Us. If China is adding tariffs to American products, the Chinese consumer suffers as a result of that. They have to pay more for American products or they have to end up then paying, you know, more for a Chinese product because it's at least a little bit less than the the American product once the tariff has been added. If the issue here is that American products are more expensive than products that have to be shipped here from thousands of miles away, that is a problem with probably with American taxes, American regulations, and other things that make American products more expensive. The answer is to get rid of those things so American products are cheaper. Okay, The answer is not to rate, introduce tariffs on things that are cheaper. Introduce taxes on things that are cheaper so that you either now have to pay more for that thing that's from somewhere else or pay more than you were paying for the American thing. So, you know, if, if if without the tariffs, the foreign thing costs you this much and the American thing costs you this much and the tariff makes the foreign thing cost this much, you're not saving money. You're losing. Either way, you're getting screwed because you're having to pay more than you were paying because taxes are theft and they make things cost more. I would hope with a primarily libertarian and conservative audience, I wouldn't have to say this. Um, so these negotiations are sort of like two people sitting across from each other threatening to hit themselves if the other one doesn't stop hitting themselves. If you don't stop hitting yourself, I'm going to hit myself even harder until you stop. How about we just stop hitting ourselves? If China wants to make goods artificially expensive for their consumers, that hurts their consumers. It doesn't really help because here's the reality. If you make things too expensive, eventually the big suppliers go where stuff's cheaper. So, for example, with steel. Imagine you own a air conditioning company. You have to use a lot of steel. 
Now, you've been buying steel from Canada, China, Mexico, wherever, because it's cheaper. So they introduced steel, the U.S. government introduces steel tariffs. So now, you either have to buy American steel, which is more expensive than the steel you were buying, which means you now have to increase the price of your product, making it less competitive with foreign products, because I thought the whole idea was we were being more competitive, but it makes you less competitive. Either way, whether you're buying American steel or foreign steel, you're now paying more than you used to pay. Well, you're a, you're a, a, a large company. You can just go where the steel's still cheaper. And so you make that initial investment to move your factory to China, to Canada, to Mexico. Or the government says, no, 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 don't go anywhere. We'll put tariffs on those foreign air conditioners to make your air conditioners cheaper. Well, now that problem just moves on to some other supplier that needs air conditioners for their business. And the worse you do, you make it, the more it eventually gets down to small businesses that can't move and they can't compete with foreigners. So they just go out of business. So this doesn't help American businesses any more than any other tax does. And it definitely doesn't help American consumers any more than any other tax does. If foreign countries want to jump off a bridge, we don't have to join them. People say, oh, we got to deal with this trade imbalance. There's a trade imbalance. We're buying more stuff from China than China's buying from us. And it's a travesty and it's an imbalance. There is no such thing as a trade imbalance. Let me give you a scenario. You go to Walmart. And you go up to the Walmart greeter and the Walmart greeter says, hey, welcome to Walmart. And you go, I don't want to hear any of that garbage from you. I got your, I got your number. I know what's going on here. I'm buying way more stuff from you than you're buying from me. We have a trade imbalance that's just through the roof. It's like $30,000 last year I bought stuff from you, Walmart. You didn't buy a damn thing from me. Not even a single damn thing. Our trade imbalance is through the roof. If you don't stop this, I'm going to start taxing myself every time I buy anything from you. Because I'm negotiating from a position of strength. And Walmart goes... If you want to tax yourself, you can, but you don't have anything I want to buy. We're Walmart. What do you have to buy? What do you have to sell? That doesn't matter. Now, you're probably thinking, well, that's not a trade imbalance because I gave them money and they gave me stuff. Yeah. We're not giving China money and they're giving us less money. We're buying stuff from Chinese companies. There was, a, there was no imbalance there. We voluntarily chose to buy this thing. And then China, and then we, we, and China agreed that we would give them that amount of, amount of money for that. That is an even trade. So trade imbalance is right up there with all the other status buzz, buzzwords like, you know, common sense gun control and, and uh, I don't know, uh, 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 merit-based immigration. And, and, uh, oh, I have so many of them usually that I use fairness in media and, uh, what's some other ones combating inequality. Um, these are all various buzzwords that are used by the government to convince you that someone is harming you other than the government and that the answer is to have the government harm you more. Tariffs are a perfect example of that. There are people that are super happy 
that Trump is going to make their cost of living more expensive in some kind of negotiation to tell China to stop making stuff more expensive for their consumers. Why? If we want to compete, uh, if we, if we want our products to compete with Chinese products, remove the regulations, taxes, and various other uh, uh, fees and other things that licensing, licensing, various other things that government puts in place to raise the bar so that it makes it harder for new startups to come in. And it also, for both the new startups and the existing companies, it just makes it more expensive. Now, the big companies like that. I'm going to get it. I'm ranting now. The big companies love that. They love stuff being made harder and more expensive because they're already established. Their competitors are not already established. Walmart has no problem. Look at Facebook right now, basically all but, you know, they're doing the Brer Rabbit with the Briar Patch. Oh, please don't regulate me. They want to be regulated. They want to be turned into a utility. They want to be etched in government stone forever and ever so that they never have to worry about serious competition replacing them. And that's what these other big companies do. Remember, it was all the big, you know, we were told we need net neutrality because these big wig companies are going to run all over us and they're going to charge us if we want if we want anything other than Netflix and, and uh, uh, you know, Hulu and Facebook. We're going to have to pay millions of dollars. They're going to screw us because that'll definitely be a good business model for them. And yet, it was all the big media companies, internet service providers, cable utilities, all of them. We're saying, yeah, we need net neutrality to make sure we don't do that. They wanted net neutrality to prevent competition, to enshrine themselves as the existing competitors, and to basically allow them to create these quasi cartels where they, you know, where this is our territory and that's your territory. So that prices go through the roof and there's little competition and there's not really real increase in, in quality of the product. Because that's what big businesses do. And we're so convinced that Donald Trump or Obama or Bush or whoever is fighting for the common man with these tariffs. He's making sure that the American worker gets back on their feet. What he's really doing is making sure that a handful of entrenched, special interest-driven companies, rent-seekers, companies that would not exist or at least not exist as big as they are without government interference uh, can continue to do this with little to no competition at the expense of everyone else, especially you as the lower to middle income American consumer. So that's what's happening with the tariffs and the China thing. I don't know. Like Yao Ming. Jacob LaBelle says Yao Ming. Yao Ming has a height disparity with me. Is I think the... I think that... I'm not sure how Yao Ming, but yes. Let me see. Uh, let me see. Oh, good. The chat thing is double... You're back. Speed talk. That's pretty much what I'm doing. Don't jinx it. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. You aren't deplatformed. Thank God. Cross your fingers. Uh, throw their tea into the harbor. Green tea. Yes. Um, how many American products do the Chinese consume in in raw numbers? I I I don't I don't know. Um, 
Trump just doesn't want to admit the Chinese have him by the balls. I don't really know. Like, I think that they're going to end up having, I think this is a lot of palace intrigue. First of all, Trump thrives on conflict, which is counterintuitive because most, most politicians are about, they want controlled conflict in specific situations where they control all the, all the narratives and can present themselves as a fighter. But everywhere else, they want political expediency. And Trump seems to look for things where politicians would usually look for political expediency and instead just make a massive culture war out of it. Um, he seems to thrive in that kind of conflict. He's, he's very much, as Jeb Bush called him, Jeb, Jeb, please clap. He called him the chaos candidate. And uh, there's some truth to that. So I don't even know where to go with that. Brian Wolf says, China is buying more services from us, correct? And we buy more materials from them. How is that wrong? I, I don't know the breakdown. And, and this is where I get out of the collective stuff because we say China and us. Consumers buy from providers and consumers buy from providers and, 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 and vice versa. I don't know what the breakdowns are. I just know that there is no real such thing as a trade de- trade deficit unless someone got robbed. That's a trade deficit. If I come up to you and say, give me your damn money. We have a trade deficit with the federal government and state governments and city governments. We have a trade deficit with government at large. They take our money and don't give us much. That's a trade deficit. That is a trade that is unequal. And the reason it's unequal, it's because it's coerced. You have to do it. If you don't do it, you're going to get in trouble. If you get in enough trouble, you go to jail. If you fight against that, they will kill you. There are IRS agents who are like trained for fighting. Like they're like FBI or whatever to, to, you know, if they have to take, if they have to take you down, they will. So just pay it. That's a trade imbalance. China has never forced us to buy anything. The Chinese government nor any Chinese providers, nor any Mexican or Canadian or whatever providers have ever forced us to buy a single thing from any of them. We willingly purchase these things. That's even trade. I give you this much money and you give me the thing that I wanted. So, um, let's see. Tariffs solve trade disputes the way a wall, the same way a wall fixes immigration issues. It, yes, Shane. That's yes. The the, the trade and tra- the, the 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 trade arguments, trade protectionism arguments, are the immigration debate applied to things instead of people. It's the same arguments, but one is things and one is people. It gets a little bit more nuanced because when it's because it's people, you're now talking about stuff like our culture and and you know crime and stuff like that. But it all boils down to the same thing. I am scared of competition, and so I want policies enacted to violate my natural rights and their natural rights, harming all of us because that at least gives me the feeling of being protected. But that's the Patriot Act or whatever. I mean, that's that's every government thing boils down to that. Uh, Jeff, Jeff uh, Picard, Picardic. I hope I said your name right, Picardic. Uh, gave me the claps. Give me the claps. Thank you so much. Um, Andrew Richard Ito says, uh, finally, someone understands this whole misconception. It's, you know, and, and I get it. You guys, I get the whole, like, if they, if they're, if I have to sell something for $500 and they're able to sell it for $300, that's just not right. And I'm an American and, you know, we should be buying American and something has to be done. And, I I get it. I, I get that inclination. When you break it down, 
and 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 examine how it's going to actually work. What you're really saying is, I want everything to be more expensive, which will ultimately harm me because I also buy stuff from them. And so, if you really distill it down into what the argument is, it makes the whole thing sound like what it really is, which is a, a you know, uh, uh, economically ill-informed and frightened people being taken advantage of by people who do know how it's going to work out and are perfectly fine with the outcome because they've positioned and leveraged themselves to benefit from everyone else doing poorly. So, um, Oh, uh, Pukarczyk. I'm probably still doing it wrong. I'm sorry. I'm trying my best, Jeff. Uh, Shane, uh, the problem with China and Russia is that they're capitalizing where the U.S. screws up. Venezuela, North Korea, the EU, Syria, Iran, etc. Trump and his predecessors have laid the groundwork. This is what... So, exactly correct. And it's nothing special about the U.S. being stupid. This is what empire costs. Name an empire that doesn't end up just getting torn down by almost everyone else and everyone else applauding after it happens. Even if it leads to negative consequences. Because this is what happens. Uh, Pekarczyk. Pekarczyk? Emphasis on second? Pekarczyk. I'm trying. Um, this is what happens with empire. When you... This is why so when people say... Well, you know, if we're not out there doing this, uh, you know, U.S. military, you know, people will tell me, I, you know, I'm against this war on terrorism. It's, uh, it's not right what's going on, but I'll, I'll tell you what, it scares me, the vacuum of power. If we leave the Middle East, if we, because we have a say, we're doing it. It's not being done in our names and our loved ones being sent there to do it. We're doing it, but that's the whole collective thing with that. But anyway, if we, all of us together in unison holding hands, if we leave the Middle East... Well, then the Chinese and the Russians are going to come in. And now what? Now the Chinese and Russians are going to deal with massive, never-ending debt. And uh, having to either raise taxes or cut social services or both just to pay the debt. Or just, like we're doing, create endless reams of money that everyone knows is worthless and you know, pretend that it's still worth something to spend on endless spending um, and creating a massive debt bubble uh, and speculation bubble in the process. And people increasingly hating them. Not just their government, but them. Because as a, a, you know, even quasi-democratic system, you're somewhat complicit. You voted for it. Not so much in China, but they they vote for their cell leaders who then vote for whatever. So it's it, it it's uh it's not democracy, but it's they have some some ish say. But it, it it's going to fall back on them. What are the benefits that they get? Prime prime access to uh to uh oil. There's oil elsewhere. So th- this is an interesting thing I learned in the early 2000s when that whole oil bubble was happening. If someone can get all their oil here, that frees up oil here. Because there's not some massive expansion in the use of oil. Their use of oil is still roughly going up at the same rate that it was before. And ours has been pretty much level. Now, this is at a time we're worried about oil. The U.S. is a net exporter of oil. What the hell do we need this oil so much for? Now, I get it. 
That sounds very nationalistic. Well, we have our own oil. We don't need these other people's oil. But that's not how the global market for something works. If people's needs are being met in a relatively easy way, it doesn't matter if we're buying oil from Iran or if the EU is buying oil from Iran, which frees up oil over here. Oil's oil's oil for the most part. So it, it's not, it isn't, you know, it, it's not, it's, we don't need to kill all these people and make ourselves less safe and make ourselves less prosperous for oil. Like it's, it's not, that is not a, a, a prime need when there's enough of it to go around. Uh, and especially at a time when technology is, is making us slowly, but with each year, just slightly less even uh, uh, dependent on fossil fuels. So I, you know, if they take the oil, they take the oil. And they'll get every other terrible thing that comes with it. Like the world hating them. The world hated the USSR. They also hated America, but they hated the USSR. Um, Sarah says, then what is our damn interest in Venezuela? Oil. But but here's the problem. What is our interest? Your Sarah's and mine? None. It's ExxonMobil's interest. It's Chevron, Texaco, BP, whatever. It's it it's it is vested, large corporate interest. And this is where the left gets it right. And then they just kind of fall off the map. There is little daylight between government and in a in a quasi-fascist, corporatist, corporatist mixed economy. I'll call it mixed economy. People get mad when I say fascist because they think I'm comparing Trump to Hitler or whatever. And I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm any more than I was comparing Obama to Hitler. The economic plank of American capitalism is corporatism, which is the economic plank of the fascist system. So I'm, I'm, I'm using fascist just talking about the, the, the economic plank of it. But I'll say corporatist or mixed economy because that gets people less upset than saying uh, fascist. Um, meanwhile, you know, be mean to a cop and then get back to me on whether uh, it's fascist or not. But anyway, so the the the... the in a, in a corporate in a corporatist faux capitalist structure like ours, the one we live under, there's almost no daylight between government and big 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 business. And I don't mean big business like oh hey Jim's got a few stores he's doing really well. I mean big. I mean Walmart, Apple, Chevron. I keep saying Chevron. I don't even know if they're the Texas, you know, uh, Exxon Mobil, these huge oil companies, these huge agricultural com- companies, these huge uh, 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 insurance companies, all of these massive companies who have lobbyists who tell politicians, we will basically bankroll your, your campaign and keep you in office forever if you use the levers of power to keep us in, in control in our various sectors. So what's our interest? Amazon's definitely one too. The thing with Amazon is they're providing such a value to the consumer that it's hard to see what they're doing, but they are absolutely entrenching themselves as a as a, a, a permanent player. Um, they get incredibly favorable uh, rates with the post office that none of us could get. Now, they're also bulk users, but it's not even a rate that's available to anyone else. Um, so uh, what's our interest? Yours and mine, Sarah? Yours and mine, Jacob? Anyone watching this? None? Our, our interest is in we don't want to be robbed to pay to 
invade another country and destabilize it even worse than it is now. People say things couldn't possibly get worse in Venezuela. Look at Syria. It can get worse in Venezuela. One of my Facebook friends, uh, Connor J. Nepo, Nepo said, uh, um, he said the, the situation in Venezuela can be summed up in six words. And I believe the six words were, oh God. It was, some, it was something like socialism sucks, intervention will make it worse or something like that. And that's exactly the case. Venezuela is this, in the situation they are because socialism sucks. And they've, as they've attempted to int- implement real socialism, it has done what it always does. Price controls and all that crap has led to everything that any basic Austrian economist would say would happen. So it's happened. The American government getting involved is how it goes from Venezuela to Syria or Somalia. Or something like that. So, no, I, I definitely... I definitely would not support us getting involved with that. Um, Sarah Branion. On side note, did you see the whole thing about Baltimore getting hacked? They are asking for ransom paid in crypto, cryptocurrency. Baltimore can't pay for that crap. They can't even fix heat in their schools. It's a trade deficit. They are being robbed. I did not hear of this. I know that the mayor either has resigned or is in the process of, being resign, of resigning after she... They raided her house because she was faking her book sales or something like that. She was pretending she was sick for two months. Baltimore. So my parents fled Baltimore in 1988. Um, And I have a lot of loved ones that still live in Baltimore. But I am glad we left because it does not sound like things are going well there. I'm not going to lie. It sounds like things are going like when I would say like to my dad. When I was a little kid, and I'd say, well, why did we move from Baltimore? And they'd go, well, because Myrtle Beach is beautiful, and it, the weather's nice all year long, and traffic's better. And then, like, when I got older, my dad's like, Baltimore was being ruined. They were destroying everything. And so um, I took it somewhat with a grain of salt. Uh, but it turns out I think he was right uh, on that one. Um, so I, I, I don't know. But how do you get how do you hack a city? Uh, it, it, Sarah says, it makes me sad to see them eat zoo animals. So that is my interest. But the point was, yes, oil. Like that is the problem with pulling out of the Middle East. China and Russia take the oil and damn it, the petrodollar shifts. But that, but look at what comes with the petrodollar. We're not benefiting from that. There are very large vested uh, multinational corporations that benefit from it. We are getting harmed from it. The petrodollar is built on massive speculation and, 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 and global military uh, dominance. How is that helping us with massive inflation ratios? Our, 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 our money being a joke. The, the debt that is going to be paid at this point by our great-grandchildren just continuing to skyrocket with no end in sight. And us being told that if we want a $10 increase in our social security or we don't we want to be taxed less or we want social security to be performed that we're the greedy ones not them who created this whole mess of a system but us so no that doesn't help us it, it doesn't help us yes i have an interest in that seeing what the venezuelan people are going through is absolutely devastating which is why when i hear new zealand or any of these countries that gun control or here that gun control Gun control, the logical conclusion of gun control is the Venezuelan police can run you over casually just for protesting because there's not a damn thing you can do to stop them effectively other than like making bombs and stuff like that. But for the average Venezuelan citizen, they have no way to effectively fight back. Um, And that's what, 
you know, we talk about, oh, self-defense from criminals and hunting and things like that. Those are all important things. That is not the primary role for the right to keep and bear arms. And and whether you like the Constitution or not, I'm not a huge fan. I'm a much bigger fan of the Articles of Confederation or just nothing. Um, but uh, the right to keep and bear arms is to the right, the ability to decentralize the ability to effectively use violence. And if that ability is centrally put into, uh, uh, you know, centrally, if, if the ability to effectively project violence is centralized into a government, I don't care how, you know, happy-go-lucky and kind and sweet that government is, at some point it can turn, probably will turn, at the worst time when people are doing poorly. And uh, you're going to get what comes from that. So, so that, that is, this is, you know, to the people that are applauding, like, oh, thank God we can't have own weapons that fire, that have, that can hold more than 10 rounds. Going to need more than that to take down a, you know, a, a, a mine resistant armored personnel carrier. So, um, so probably going to start wrapping things up. Is anyone else getting a ton of stream dropouts? I... I don't know what to tell you guys. I, I'm not getting any any uh, notifications about it, but um, it might be happening. I'm sorry if it is. This is the fun of using a bunch of free services is that um, sometimes it doesn't work that well. Um, so we will have to... It looks like it's still live to me. So hopefully... Um, hopefully not. Uh, Shane Sweeney says, uh, for the US to lose all credibility and trading power post-hegemony... Well, or hegemony, however you say that. Um, but again, it's the U.S. government. Like, uh, if you think of a, of a U.S. that isn't... I mean, there's so many things. If the U.S. pulled out of NATO, European countries, who right now are thumbing their noses, well, you know, we have socialized healthcare. Now they have to pay for their own defense. They're not going to have socialized healthcare anymore. Or their taxes are going to be so high that they effectively don't own anything. We are subsidizing, and this includes Israel, we are subsidizing liberal social democracies, progressive social democracies, to have endless cradle-to-grave welfare systems by subsidizing the defense that we all think that they need. Why? Let them do it. Let them pay for it. Let them, if they, if they want socialized everything, good, pay for it. And you'll need to pay for your own military because we're not going to sit there and, 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 and now you're going to have to acknowledge that some of these other world powers are actual threats and all the stuff that's going to come from that. So no, I am abs- I totally welcome a world in which Russia and China are the main antagonists to the world. And the U.S. is just sitting back trading with people and making money on top of money. I win. Let's start that now. You know, the, the, you know, the, the, was it Ron Paul said more with no one trade in peace with everyone or however. I know I, I know I just butchered that. Um, but, um, that's me all day long. I, I, I have no interest in, you know, the lives and well being and financial future of myself and every single person I care about being leveraged for, powerful multinational companies who have uh you know rent seeking lobbyists in government I, I have no interest in that 
So on that cheery note, I think I'm going to wrap things up because you guys don't seem to have any more questions. And I think I've covered way more than I thought I was. I've been up here almost... Uh, I'll say one more thing. Um, uh, FYI, Baltimore had some municipal systems hacked with ransomware. I'm reading that people were having issues paying property debts because they couldn't access any files regarding people's specific debts. Several department email systems aren't working. That sounds, that sounds great. That isn't fun. I have, like I said, I have a lot of loved ones living in Baltimore, so I don't, I don't want to crow too loudly about that. But I mean, Baltimore has been on a, on a slow. There's another place you can't have a gun. Uh, Baltimore has been on the, you can't have a gun. And yet, you know, some of the highest gun violence rates on earth, uh, not to mention the police that, you know, like to plant stuff on people. Um, any type of gun control is unconstitutional. The reason for the second amendment is to protect ourselves from our own government, meaning the citizens at large should be able to have the same weapons as the government, the government's military. I'm not, listen, Andrew, I'm not, for those who don't know, I'm an anarcho-capitalist or anarchist, pan-anarchist, right anarchist, whatever you want to call me. I'm not a huge fan of the constitution because, um, I think, if you just if you get away from the Bill of Rights and you look at like the first seven articles, it is largely uh, it's largely an explanation of how government can rob us, uh, kidnap us, and uh, and kill us as they see fit. Just the taxation clause and the habeas corpus clause are enough to tell me that the anti-federalists were correct and that we should have stuck. If we had to stick with anything to the Articles of Confederation, which actually did limit government by not allowing them to tax us. Anyway, that said. The spirit behind the Second Amendment, or the the uh, ostensible, uh, the you know what we are told is the ostensible uh, 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 purpose behind the Second Amendment. Yes, it is not about it, it, it is not about self protection from criminals. Although that's again that's an important thing. It's not about target shooting. It's not about hunting. It is about keeping the reality of power in check. That the more power is centralized, the more the ability to project violence is centralized, the worse that's going to be. Okay, You and a neighbor having a beef and you have uh, an Apache helicopter and you know they've got a taser, at the end of the day, you know that you can run over that person. And so that person is at the mercy of your goodwill if you have any. If you guys are roughly equally armed, that's not even going to come up. Because neither of you, you, you want to go there. You both value your lives as normal human beings and want to just go about your, 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 your life. So, yes, that's, you know, people we can argue about unconstitutional, constitutional. I don't really get into that stuff because that's a legalism argument. But gun, any type of gun control is a violation of your natural right to, to, to protect yourself from any and all threats, including centralized ones who give themselves badges and rights on sheet, write on sheets of paper that they're allowed to do it. Still wrong. So, um. So guys, I think I've covered everything. I think I'm gonna get out of here get out of here when my back is still feeling somewhat normal. Um so thanks again for tuning in to my fellow Americans. If this is a if you're a first time watcher, listener, if you're listening, uh I hope you enjoyed it. Oh I am remiss to talk about something that matters a lot to me. Anchor FM. You know, Anchor. FM, we recently got involved with Anchor FM. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, guys. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. So if you want a podcast, Anchor is what you want to use. They even have creation tools, you see, that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you. 
for free so it can be heard everywhere, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. Now, you're probably thinking, Spike, this is this is insane. This can't possibly be true. And in fact, it is impossible that you could possibly say anything different, anything more about Anchor FM that would make it sound even better. Well, you're wrong. Because Anchor FM, if you were wanting to make money from podcasting, which... <laughs> Good luck. But if you're wanting to make money from podcasting, you can easily make money from your podcast with Anchor FM with no minimum listenership, which is, I've never heard of such a thing. But you can make money with just a handful of listeners. Not a lot of money, but there's no minimum listenership. So guys, be sure to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started with your podcasting today. If you do so, if you decide to do it and start a podcast, let us know. Give us the address so we can give you good reviews on there be sure to give us good reviews on our anchor fm uh, anchor fm slash muddied waters i think it is um but we're on all the different uh everything we're on facebook youtube uh instagram soundcloud we're got we're on our website muddiedwatersoffreedom.com we are everywhere so thank you again for tuning in to my fellow americans i hope we all learned something special today i know i did uh and be sure to tune in tomorrow as part of the weekly Muddied Waters media family. Be sure to turn in tomorrow to right here, Muddied Waters, uh, for uh, my co-host Matt Wright's show, The Writer's Block. He will have Hannah Cox of the Conservatives concerned about the death penalty. So that should be a fun show. Um, They're going to get into death penalty uh, topic. And then uh, on Friday... Shabbat Shalom, it's Jason Lyon with Mr. America, the Bearded Truth, on Friday nights. Uh, have a great weekend. This is the Mother's Day weekend. Do something nice. If your mother, if you are blessed to have a mother who is still alive, do something nice for her. Do something sweet for her. And if you're a mother, happy Mother's Day. You're one of the good ones. And then come back here Monday for the week beginning episode of Mr. America, the Bearded Truth as he parses through the uh, uh, current events from a uniquely bearded perspective. And then tune in next to the following day, Tuesday, for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where me and Matt Wright talk about all the hot topics, as only two older millennial former drug addicts can, in our own special way. And then tune in again next week, for my fellow Americans. I'm not 100% sure who my guest will be. But I think I'm going to have a guest. Probably going to have a guest. And I'll let you know who it is. But be sure to tune in. So guys, thanks again for joining. And thank you for putting up with me being this rusty. I had a great time. I hope you did. Thanks again. And God bless you.
my friend. In reality, you are my kin. Though I view the world through another's iris. If you slide in my kicks, it might fit. We might just unite and come together, become hybrid. At the least, slightly like-minded. Indeed, the life I've lived brings light to kindness. All you need is a sign. Put a cease to the crimes. Put an ease to the minds like mine. Sometimes darkness is all I find. You know what they say about an eye for an eye in a time with the blind is the blind. Who am I to deny with cry when a loved one dies? I recognize that body outside with a hole in the body that was alive. Now we find with a chalk outline. Find out how, but you never know why. It ain't even make it to the news at night. It ain't even make it to the news at night. That's why sister, mother, father, brother, son. That's one of mine. Hold these tears, I close my eyes. Open up the only fine. I'm in line. 